You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Go to Spotify Greenroom right now. Uh, download it on the Apple or iOS stores today. Uh, that's where you can find it and you can join me and many others on the Spotify Greenroom when we do our uh, we do our trivias, our takes, whatever else you guys want to join us for on there. On today's show, a couple things, a quick preview of this weekend's series between the Orioles and the Nationals, a beltway battle in Baltimore. We'll discuss that. And then I talked to Corbett Koslack on here, our resident Cubs fan, about what a Chris Bryant uh, trade to the Nationals could look like and what he thinks is possible for Chris Bryant's future. So all that coming up on a packed show today. All right, this will be a quicker preview here today for the Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles because we've got Corbett Koslack coming up on today's show here in just a little bit. But the Nationals, they have a weekend series, as I mentioned, in Baltimore against the Orioles. It starts tonight. Uh, all of these games will be on Masson Squared, right? Masson and Masson, too, because both the Orioles and obviously the Nationals are carried on both stations. Here as we sit today, uh, the Washington Nationals are... 45 and 50. They're six games back of the first place New York Mets. They're two games back of the Braves, and they are uh, also two games back of the Phillies. They both played last night, and they are tied in the standings right now. So six games back of the division lead, two games back of the uh, Phillies and the Braves. And right now, the opposite team to them is the Baltimore Orioles. They are 31 and 64. Yikes, yikes, yikes for the Baltimore Orioles. They are obviously in last place in the American League East right now at 31 and 64 and at fifth place. Pretty pretty good division, but, I mean, once again, that's still really bad. They're 27 games back, uh, and they are, let's see, 18 and a half back of the next closest team. So there you go. That is what is uh, going on with the Orioles uh, right now. Three games this weekend, as I said. First one is tonight, 7.05, on both uh, the Masson Collective, I guess you could say, on both Massons this weekend. 7.05, it's going to be uh, Patrick Corbin on the hill for the the Nats, and then Jorge Lopez will counter for the Orioles tomorrow night, 635. First pitch, it's Max Scherzer going up against Spencer Watkins, who is a relatively new addition uh, for the Orioles, and then it's going to be on Sunday at 105, John Lester going up against Matt Harvey. So that's just kind of your matchup this weekend. Nationals really, um, you know, in this five-game stretch where they play the Marlins and the Orioles, I'm, I'm looking for a sweep. I really am against the Orioles. They swept them last time. They came damn close to sweeping the, the Marlins. Um, they should they should look for that once again here. Corbin and Scherzer. Corbin's got to be better, but uh, Corbin and Scherzer give you a good opportunity. If John Lester, let's see if they can build off what he's done well against Matt Harvey, who's struggled this year on the whole. So that there's your there's your matchups for this weekend. And look, um, you know the, the Mets are getting healthier ish kind of right now they've taken a lot of lumps but they're starting to get healthy especially in the lineup area of things for them so as they get healthier the nationals uh need to step up their their kind of quality of play right now and as, and once again against bad teams the nats have done well they need to keep that up but uh four and two in this six game stretch against the the, the marlins and the orioles is fine but it's not going to get you the direction that you have to go because you're kind of behind the eight ball so a sweep here would do you a world of good 
Um, and at the bare minimum, keep you at pace with the Mets and probably the Mets drop a game this weekend. They're playing the Blue Jays. They're playing a pretty good team. You'd expect they drop at least one, maybe two games this weekend. So if you get a sweep, you're going to at least stay even or get yourself a game or two, game or two uh, on the Mets. So we'll see what the Nats can do this weekend. Uh, but up next, we're going to talk about a Chris Bryant trade with Corbett Koslack. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in the game today. Go to BuiltBar.com. You can go check it out there. They've got a bunch of flavors available. Something really for everybody at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. That's, once again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, uh, the resident Cubs fan of the Locked On Nationals podcast, Corbett Koslak, is joining us today. And so we're one week, a little bit over a week away from the trade deadline. Uh, and Corbett, I think it's really fascinating because the Cubs, like basically at the point that we thought they would be, um, you know, had good offense at times, pitching has been okay at times and struggled a lot. And they're around 500, but they're way out of their own division. And so they've got a bunch of guys that they could potentially offload. And the one guy we're focusing on, obviously, is Chris Bryant. And do you, first of all, do you think he gets traded? I think I'm like as 50-50 on it as I could possibly be. I think he ends up getting traded just because that's what all the smart people seem to be saying right now. Um, but what the smart people seem to be saying changes with the wind at the Major League Baseball trade deadline. So it could, it could go either way. Um, right now, I say they get he gets traded because, you know, they're playing 500 balls since the All-Star break, and they're right back where they were. Uh, and, you know, on top of everything else, outside of this being in a vacuum, it's Scott Boris. So it makes sense at the end of the day if you're not going to compete to trade any Scott Boris client you have because there's relatively a 0% chance he stays. So I think they end up trading him. But, again, I'm as split down the middle as you could possibly be. It's hard for me to look at it too objectively as well. So Why is that, though? Like, you know, like what what is – is it because of the attachment to Chris Bryant, or is it because yeah, just you know, from, you I think gone, being team? too close to something, it's easy to look at from the outside because you know any team's like, ooh, if my team goes on a six on a six game winning streak, we're going to be three out, and then we're not we're not selling. As you know, I've tweeted variations of that in the last right. two. Um, yeah, I think he ends up getting traded again just because that's what the people in the know seem to think. But it could go either way. They've been saying they're going to trade him now all season. They were going to trade him last off season. Remember. Uh, his days as a cub were done in January, and here we are in in almost August having the same conversation. So uh, this has been a very, you know, long and drawn out. And, you know, Cubs were in first place, you know, three weeks ago and then lost 11 games in a row. So things change very quickly. Uh, and, and they should be sellers at this point, and they probably will be. But um, they kind of got thrust into the selling role. So maybe, you know, some slow developing talks as we narrow near the deadline. I think it's going to end up getting traded. You know, the day before or right before the deadline, he might end up getting might end up getting traded. Yeah, and the guy he's obviously the guy we're focusing on, but like he's not the only one, right? I mean, if you're gonna sell Bryant, you know, like you probably should. I mean, Craig Kimball's got to go. There's no point having a great reliever yeah, I was on a team favor, that's not gonna win games. I was in favor of the Cubs moving Craig. It's actually funny. So our, me and um and our friend Jimmy went to the Cubs game in Milwaukee, um like the third game of the 11 game losing streak. Uh, and, and in the middle of it, we're talking, I wanted us, I was in favor of the Cubs trading Craig Kimbrell when they were leading the division. Um, because realistically in the National League, you're at best the fifth best team in the National League, fourth best team in the National League. 
And I don't think a guy like Craig Kimbrell for a team like the Cubs or a team that's going to be on the fringe, it really makes the difference, right? The Cubs were on the other side of, of the getting a ridiculous haul for a closer in 2016 where they sent Billy McKinney and, and, and Glaber Torres for Araldis Chapman. Uh, the Cubs are in great position to be on the other side of that trade. Somebody is going to overpay for relief pitching. They do it every year. Uh, and, and Craig Kimbrell is having a career year at 32 years old. He's one of the best closers ever, and he's having one of the best seasons in his career. So somebody's going to severely overpay for a chance to make a run in October. Uh, and that is one where I'm all in on the Cubs being on the right side of that. So, you know, it's funny on Kimbrel. It's like, I've seen him a few times this year and I feel like you can kind of get to him. You know what I mean? Like, like while he is, while he's been stellar this year, it feels like he's gettable, but he's just like too good in the end. He's just a little bit better than you every game. There's some games where he's been way better, but it feels like there's some instances where he's just been a touch better this year. Yeah. A lot of times it's interesting. So, you know, his first two years with the Cubs were absolutely, you know, atrocious. I think his ERA was in the fives the first couple of years. And then this year, his ERA was in like the decimal point for for quite a while. Um, it's interesting because obviously there's two or three ticks off his velocity. His his curveball doesn't move quite like it used to, but it's been working. It's kind of has a weird like you used to get feel that way about Wade Davis in his in his prime. Like, how does he get guys out? But he just never gave up. Right. Uh, except his stuff wasn't there. Like Craig Kimbrell's stuff is there, but it still feels uh, kind of fluky and like, you know, he might give some stuff up down the stretch after, after he, he ends up moving on. So, you know, the teams that we've heard about in on Chris Bryant, right. Are the, I think the big three were what it was the Mets, the nationals and the, and the Dodgers, I think. Sounds right. Now yeah. the, the Mets and the, well, the Dodgers, I've got no idea what their cap situation. I, mean, I feel like they're pretty high on the payroll. Right. Uh, and with that, so I don't know what they want to do with the luxury tax and how that affects them. The Mets could sign one more big guy before they go to the luxury tax. Um, and I think Michael Conforto is injured and played his kind of way out of as big of a contract as we thought he was going to get. So I think the net and the nationals could afford him. Um, and these things matter, right? Because, you know, are teams trading for a rental or the guy that they really believe they can re-sign, right? And part of that is you got to, you know, you got to do some back channeling and talk to the agent, right? You got to figure out, uh, is this a place that that KB would want to re-sign? All three of those, I, I think, would be also be a yes, too. Um, and, and I think that, I mean, besides those three, like, I wouldn't make a push for him unless you knew you could re-sign him because you're going to end up giving up way too much. So I'll break down each of those teams. And then uh, a fourth one that I think makes a whole lot of sense that hasn't gotten a whole lot of talk outside of uh, Chicago. Number one, the Mets. Mets make a lot of sense. We channeled it uh, earlier this season uh, in the Mets Cub series when J.D. Davis made like four airs and they're talking about, you know, Chris Bryant being a future Met. It makes a ton of sense. They're not that far. They're not as far as they feel away um, from being a top two team in, in baseball. Uh, obviously, they have the best pitcher in baseball. Um, well, I mean, they you know, they put Francisco, 28 guys in the IL this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is like. They're, they're going to get healthy or they're going to get closer to healthy as the season goes on. Uh, they're in a division where frankly, everybody else isn't good. Uh, the, the NL East is playing all like the NFC East this season where there's, there's nobody running away with it. Uh, the Mets, I think by far have the best roster, uh, at least at the top in that division. Uh, the Mets make a lot of sense. The Dodgers are always going to spend money. They have shown yeah. that they're not afraid of spending money. Um, and they're also, what they have shown as well, is they want to build 
You know, they want to put the, the, the most good players on a roster as they possibly can, regardless of cost. So they showed it a couple of years ago when they got Manny Machado at the deadline, despite already being the best team in baseball. They went and got Mookie Betts in the offseason after going to the World Series a couple of years in a row. Now, it would make a whole lot of sense for them, even though they're already really good everywhere, to get Chris Bryant, who you can call him a third baseman. He's the what? I think the first player since 1920 or something like that to start 10 games in right field, center field, left field at third base, and I think he has like seven starts at first base, something ridiculous like that. He's played all over the diamond. There was like a month and a half in the middle of the year where he never played third base. Uh, so he makes a lot of sense there. The Nationals are in a very interesting spot. So you see sometimes with these teams are five or six games back in fourth place, they still have young rosters, so it doesn't make sense to go all in. The, the Nationals' best players outside of Trey Turner and Juan Soto are old. Um, you know, Max Scherzer's old. There are a lot of their um, uh, like they're they're in middle infield with Starling Starling Castro. I know he just had the the he's he's gone. He's out of the thing. equation. Gone Josh Harrison's not young, but yeah, yeah. There's Jan, a there's a lot. John Gomes, John Gomes isn't young either. There yeah. is a lot of not young. What else complicates the Nationals is the fact that they just won. So a lot of times, like you heard it about, you heard about it with with um, like his, his name's getting my mind. The, the owner of the Tigers when they went all in and he just ended up dying, but they they went all in for every year in a row because he was like 87 years old and trying to win one, 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 one more World Series before he died. The Nationals just won two years ago. I don't know that there is that thirst there to to mortgage everything and go all in um, when you just won a World Series a couple of years ago. They're in an interesting spot. If I'm then, I'm, I'm, in, I'm either trading Max Scherzer and going all in on the sell or I'm standing pat. I don't know that I'm going all in on buying because is Chris Bryant the difference between you know, well, one game playoff against the, the, the Padres or the Dodgers because who, right. whoever, you know, ends up being the or it could be those two end up playing in the Giants. I mean, we're they're still two games up. We're in the middle of July. They just won yesterday. Um, so that's, they're in a tough spot. The team that I think makes the most sense, maybe not as much sense as the Dodgers, but it makes a lot of sense, is the White Sox. The Cubs and White Sox, they don't do a whole lot of in-town dealing, but when they do, it's been big in the past. They traded, you know, they made the, the Eloy Jimenez deal. Uh, they had uh, they had a deal, uh, another deal a couple of years ago. Like, they've done, it's not like they don't trade with each other. It makes a lot of sense for numerous reasons. One, Chris Bryant, flexibility. The, right, the White Sox have a lot of good players all over the field. Chris Bryant's going to go there. He's going to improve their defense wherever they end up putting him. He can change he can change position on every on any given day. They are in a position to make a run. They might already have the best roster in the American League, and if they get Chris Bryant, they probably definitely have the best roster in the American League. They have tons of pitching. They're like to go all in. Chris Bryant does at the All Star Game was you know talking about how much he loves Chicago and all that stuff. So you know if his family does love Chicago as much as he wants, as much as he says he does, he should have as good a chance as anybody of re-signing Chris Bryant to stay in Chicago. So it's tough. It's always tough when players of that magnitude you're doing deals in, in, in town, but. Uh, Chris Bryant to the White Sox makes a whole lot of sense and it's not really getting talked about. One more quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. You can sign up there. Uh, Use your tablet, use your iPhone, uh, use your computer, whatever it is. It's free to make an account. So go to betonline.ag, make your account today. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, Locked On, and you'll receive a fifty percent deposit bonus. So if you deposit hundred bucks, you'll get an extra fifty to play with at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, here's the reason why I think the Nationals makes sense. Number one, 
like if they got Chris Bryant, he's probably gonna end up playing third base uh, if they're healthy-ish. Because what I mean, with, with what happened with them, you know, losing Starlin Castro, um, and obviously the, the Carter Keboom thing is not gonna work out. They're now very thin in that middle infield. Uh, they're now at a point where, you know, it was Josh Harrison at second, which I don't think was the plan to start off, but it was Josh Harrison at second and Starlin Castro at third. Now Starlin Castro's out. And I mean, are you going to put Jordy Mercer at third base every single day? Um, and, you know, they've got Alcides Escobar at second right now, and he's played really well, but he hadn't played in two years, right? And so you're wondering if that's sustainable. And then left field, it's been a whole disaster ever since, you know, well, not completely disaster, but it's been tough ever since they lost Kyle Schwarber. I just think that it makes it makes sense for that reason. Um, it makes sense because they can resign him. And then if they did that, because I look, I think that the problem is if you've got Turner and Soto and you've got Strasburg, who assumes going to be good. And I really do think they want to bring back Scherzer. It's going to be hard for this team not to be good. I just think we saw Kyle Schwarber have a really great month, but what people didn't talk about was how good the offense was behind him, how good Trey Turner and Juan Soto are. And even with him out, how good those two have been without him. So I think it's really hard to suck when you've got two players who are that high caliber on that end. And also the problem is, they made trades. They got Josh Bell. They got Kyle Schwarber. Uh, they, they brought in Daniel Hudson. They brought in Will Harris. They brought in uh, Brad Hand. You know, they, they made a bunch of these moves. They're a lot closer to me to being good than they are being bad. And I think the big thing for them is they've had a lot of guys who are in ancillary roles pushed into the spotlight because of a lot of injuries and whatnot this year. So I think if, if you think about it this way, wow, if they had Schwarber, Bryant, Soto, and then Josh Bell, who's been excellent since the month of, of May. And once that month was over, you know, he's, he's been lights out since then. I think if you can create like a front four of that with guys like Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes been playing well, guys like that behind him, uh, you know, you're going to put, you can put a lot of pressure on teams. And here's the problem for it. We already saw them win this year. They erased a nine game lead. I've been saying this a bunch, a nine game lead and put it kind of the two in a week and a half. So they know what they've got in them. And if you're the, if you're the nationals, you know, it's, it's easy to talk yourself into if Strasburg gets healthy, if we can get him back and then we can get Schwarber back. We know what this team is capable of. So I think also they had a third baseman. I mean, I, mean, I tweeted this yesterday. I think they end up going for a guy like an Eduardo Escobar, but I think, um, you know, either Chris Bryant rental or Chris Bryant, you know, the real deal, holy, you know, to try to resign him. I think it's, I think it's worth, you really got to kick the tires on that. You really, really should do your due diligence because I think it's a, it makes sense. Dave Martinez, right? Obviously, former Cubs coach. John Lester's there. Kyle Schwarber's there. There's a whole lot of Cubs influence. So I just think it could be a potentially really good fit. Yeah, I, it, the, the worst thing that happened to the Nationals so far this season is, is what the Mets have done. And it's not because they're six games up. It's because they're exactly six games up. If the Mets right. are a little bit better, they're 10 back and they're selling. If the Mets are, Mets are a little worse, they're three back and they're buying. Uh, they're kind of stuck in no man's land. I think that Eduardo Escobar or the, the mid-range third baseman makes a right. whole lot of sense here because you're not going to give up uh, the future and you still are going to get better for, you know, this this run right. when you think you have the team that can do it. Uh, it's just so t- it's it's tough to look at Chris Bryant as his own, like the, the chances of re-signing him being 50-50 on his own when the Scott Boris client history is is is, is so thick as far as Scott Boris just loving going to free agency uh, with, you know, all of his clients. So it's very interesting. The Nationals could be an outside player. I just don't think that you go 
it, you know, even if you make a run here and you end up in a wild card of them because the Mets could get hot too. Uh, signing or trading the trading the future um, for you know an opportunity to make to come make up seven games over the last month and a half. I, I don't know that that makes makes enough sense for me, but who knows? And I texted you earlier. I said, "What do the Cubs need prospects wise?" And you told me, "You know, pitching." Right. Well, it just so happens that every first round every year of the Nationals draft a right-handed pitcher. It's just ever what they do, uh, you know, nonstop. But all joking aside, like you, you kind of look at the Nationals farm system, and four of their top five guys are all uh, the righties. And Kate Cavalli, Jackson Rutledge, Cole Henry, and then Andrew Lara. Like they they want those guys to be a part of the future. And the problem is you'd have to come to terms with parting with one of those, at least one of those guys, if you want to make this trade. They don't, I really just don't think they want to move Cavalli. I really don't think they want to move Rutledge. I think for a team that's had such a difficult time developing starting pitch, I mean, think about this, Corbett, four of their starting five this year, right? Uh, Scherzer, well, actually three of the starting five, but Scherzer, um, uh, Lester, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Patrick Corbin, right? Those are guys they had to sign and bring in. So was Anibal Sanchez in the past. This, Doug Fister in the past. This is not a team that's great at developing pitching. And so the question becomes, do you want to give up on a couple guys you might actually finally hit on, right? I mean, Eric Fetty's a former first-round pick, and he's been okay. Joe Ross, another guy that, you know, they, they spent some capital on, and they've really brought him along too, right? So, you know. It's, it's, it's not unlike um, what the Cubs, what Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, you know, eight years ago said their plan was. They got to Chicago. They said, we're going to draft and sign a bunch of young uh, hitters and because they're a lot easier for us to evaluate basically what they said. We're going to go sign starting pitching. You know, they got uh, Javier Baez and Jorge Soler and Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant, all those guys homegrown, Albert Almora. And then they went and signed pitchers, Jake Arrieta, um, John Lester, John Lackey, Jason Hamill. Like they signed all of those guys and basically just drafted all the position players. That's not unlike um, what the Nationals have kind of what, what they were doing for a long time, which is why they're now uh, stuck into drafting, you know, exclusively pitchers. That's kind of where the Cubs are now at the end of that, you know, signing all those pitchers. Now they have no pitching, trying to rebuild the, the, uh, the farm system. Uh, and now they're trying to, you know, kind of reverse course and go after some young pitchers, which they are building a little bit of a stockpile of. They just used their first round pick on a first pitcher or on a pitcher as well. Uh, but pitching, obviously, the biggest need for the Cubs. And uh, I'm going to expect, you know, big pitching prospects to be going the other way in any Chris Bryant trade that does happen. Well, but, but like you mentioned, the Scott Boris part of it makes it the issue, right? I mean, it just hurts their leverage so much because of the risk. Now, look, there are teams out there, like the Dodgers have been, you know, they've been known, yeah, they'll take that chance on a guy they know is a rental. Um, you know, other teams have too. Uh, I'm just, I mean, the, the Mets have acknowledged, though. here's the thing about the Mets, they've acknowledged that they need to rebuild the farm system. That's why they made a deal the other day where they, look, they signed Billy McKinney off the street and he was very productive for them. They traded him just to get cash in a, in a set, you know, a guy who could be in the uh, NAA, right? Just they're that desperate to build up their farm system. And that I think that is why they wouldn't make the move. Also, too, I think for the Mets, they haven't had their full team together long enough to assess what moves they should make. Look, the Mets, the Mets' best chance of winning a championship is probably going to be next year, right? I mean, that's just kind of with all the guys, everything lining up. I know they've kind of, you know, they've got some, some contract stuff they have to figure out, but like we got a couple guys coming and going that that's really their best chance to like build the perfect roster. I know this year, you know, they had just haven't had to be able to assess what they need and it feels like they're missing a bat, but, but they really don't know because that, that thing hadn't been together full, you know, full time for very long. So I think that's why I wouldn't pull the trigger if I was them. 
Um, and like, I think, you know, if you're a Mets fan, like you should be, don't make the wrong move just because like, you know, you're like, our team should be better because the big reason that we don't know how good the team can be is health. So that's not a reason to go pull the trigger on a guy. Now for the, that's why I'd argue for the Nets, like they're not getting their third baseman back at all. Right. So that's why like, I, I think they have to make a move. I, I don't think it, like Chris Bryan, uh, besides the, the Nats have to do something. Would you agree with, you know, my assessment as an outsider? If their goal for this season is to win the answer to that question. But is like, yes. can you chuck, you can't just chuck Jordy Mercer out there every, every day at third base. Here's the, here's another problem they're going to run into. There's a good chance. I mean, today's the 22nd. There are nine, eight days before the deadline. Uh, you go, you know, two and six in that span and, and your in your eight games back. It's a lot harder to sell it. Well, they play the with, Orioles with, for the next with, three games. With so. every day that pass, that's, that's, that's some good schedule looking ahead. Yeah, there you um, go. But uh, it's just, you know, every day you look at six games, it's a whole lot different than, you know, four by the end of the weekend. It might be a different situation. So it, it really, every one of these games is going to impact what the front office does because they could be on the phone right now talking about an Eduardo Escobar trade. They go out and lose 12 to three tonight and, you know, things change. So right. it, it's just, you know, now, as a Cubs fan, would you expect top 100 guys, you expect top 100 guys back for Chris Bryant? Is that, is that what I'm getting? I would say yes, but with the way the front office, you know, it's hard to take any situation different than the other one, but I mean, they basically paid money to have you Darvish taken off their hands. So it'll be very interesting to see um, what they try and get back for Chris Bryant. The fact that he hasn't been traded yet leads me to believe that uh, there may be a bidding war of some sorts going on. So I would, yes, I would expect uh, high level prospects in, in return. What about just kind of on the Cubs side, do you think Rizzo ends up re-signing? Do you think Baez ends up re-signing? I mean, Baez is not going to be expensive as everyone thought he would be. Uh, that's that's really yeah. I mean, earlier before this season, even after he hit you know 200 last year, I was expecting him you know to get you know 300 Lindor money essentially. Uh, it is what's going to hurt Javier Baez, I would think, was be that fact that he's quite clearly the second best free agent shortstop next year behind Trevor Story, who's also going to be a free agent, and he's really struggled uh, for a large part of the season. Anthony Rizzo is is so much more to the city and to the franchise than just, you know, their first baseman of the last eight or nine years. He's the face of the greatest run in the history of the Chicago Cubs organization. The entire city is in love with him. Uh, trading him is going to be very hard to explain to your fan base. So don't let they trade him. Uh, he might be the guy. He might end up having a Todd Helton-esque into his career where he kind of just ends up hmm. resigning every year for like $8 million until – he's 40 years old and doesn't want to play anymore because he's, he would be very hard to move off of um, for explaining that to the fan base, getting fans to show up. I, he's a, he'd be the hardest one to move because they're asking price. They have to take an emotional investment and their asking price is going to be too high for a below average first baseman um, for what they're going to be offered. So I think Rizzo ends up staying just by virtue of him not being very good anymore. All right, Corbett. Uh, last question: Does did Texas and Oklahoma leave to go to the uh, NL East? Is that where they're going? You think? Uh, not the NL East, but uh, on the record, I sure do hope that the whole Super Conference thing does happen. It wouldn't be good for locked on Big Twelve, but it would not be good. Uh, so, some would say it would. Some would say it could be uh, disastrous. Uh, can you still call yourself the Big? Hey, they could go back to Big Eight, right? They could go back. They to could. Big they Big could. Eight. They could go back to the Big Eight. They could. They could have just had. Could have just had SMU. Um, all right, Corbett, appreciate your time, man. Thank you. All right, yeah, thank you. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore as well. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.